Have you ever been a part of a leadership team or committee that goes nowhere? Does your school continue to beat around the bush and not address the root problem? Let me tell you that you are not alone. So many schools go through these problems, but they are fixable. In this episode, former administrator and current educational consultant and coach, Aaron Kotman is going to show us how. Welcome to the Ed Essentials Podcast. This is Hunter Flesh. And if you're an educator looking for teaching and leadership strategies, then this show is for you. My mission is to equip you with the necessary skills and insights to help you have a greater impact on the world of education. What made you really change the lens of, you know, just focusing on individual coaching to I need a coach with the team because that's really interesting to me. Yeah. So when I, you know, I think one of the things about being an entrepreneur is you kind of start off thinking you're going to do one thing and then you quickly are like, that is not at all (laughs) what I'm, you know, what I'm going to do or that's not what the market needs. Mm -hmm. And so originally I was going to do, you know, like individuals who wanted to be school leaders and I was going to do those sorts of coaching programs. Um, But what I actually found was that it was more beneficial for me to coach the entire team because if I'm coaching, you know, um, Jane individually, But Jane has to work with five other leaders in her building. It's not helpful when Jane now only has the the working knowledge and is trying to now like influence for other people to get on board. Um, We're not all then working from the same foundation, the same skills, the same knowledge. And so now there's like this learning curve, right? Where you're the one person trying to pull everybody else along. And so what I found is working with the entire team um, makes us more productive. We can get um, what we're trying, the goal accomplished faster. Um, And again, it level sets that we all have like a um, North Star to go back to. So when something is not how we need it to be, it's like, all right, hold on, let's go back right to the framework that we learned. Mm -hmm. Let's all pull up. We're speaking the same language. Um, and so I think that has been for me, the, the joy of working with the entire team is that I feel like I'm creating a long lasting, uh, culture of leadership versus one person's holding all of the nuggets. Yeah, that's super important. And, and we've seen so many experiences with it, so many, um, instances where you see this, where that's that one person who's been there for a long time, they've done such a great job. They have all these, this wisdom and knowledge of how to run things and then they leave. And yes. like, well, what happens to the system? Then it starts to crumble and we don't have anyone else on that team to continue that work. So that's really, really important. And, and what you're speaking is like preaching to the choir because you're talking about gaining clarity as a team around what are we about? How are we going to operate? And are we all rowing in the same direction? And having a, th- a third party do that to be just a temperature check on, hey, are we sure about this? Because <laughs> sometimes yeah. even as the, I'm sure you've seen as the principal, as the assistant principal, the people who are supposed to be the captains of the ship, they get caught in the work too. And that's a really oh, hard sure. thing to keep that ship steering in the right direction when you've got, when you're getting pulled to district office or when you're getting pulled to do so many different things. Yep. And then I tell people, you know, at the end of the day, having someone from the outside come in with this unbiased opinion, right? Because at the end of the day, my goal is to best serve the team. I don't have all these other, um, people at play who are telling me, well, this should be this or that should be that. Mm. I'm solely going off of like what I see, what I know is best practice and like how we can improve. Um, So I've quickly find that people sometimes think like, is it hard going in? I'm like in the beginning, but normally within like 30 days, you're like kind of like (laughs) 
okay, stop calling me about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what our, you know, but they people just start to really enjoy having a voice that's not in the thick of it every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that constant reminder that there's this important stuff underneath. We know the day-to-day stuff's going to happen and it's really easy to get caught up in it. We cannot let it deter us from the true mission of like the work that we're here to do. That's, that's a really powerful role you play. I'm really curious, you know, in your time as an assistant principal in those six years, what do you wish you knew uh, now, like knowing all the work you've done and all the things that you've gained as an education consultant now, what do you think you could have applied to that role now? thinking back to it. Is there something that you've gained as an education consultant going in to talk with teams and mentoring them? You're like, dang, I wish I would have applied that in my time as an administrator. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of things. I think that one, you know, I actually taught, I only worked at one school. So I taught and was the assistant principal at the same school for that many years. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, which I was like a beautiful experience. I have no, you know, they made me into a, a phenomenal teacher and leader. Um, but I think that, you know, when you get out there and you know better or not even know better, you just see other things. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I also came from charter world, which I, you know, re- recognize that all charters are not created equal. But I think that sometimes charter schools, we have a little like, you know, elitist attitude uh. at times, <laughs> you know, and then, I get what you're saying. Yes. And the large charter that I came from definitely, um, you know, for Mm. some good reasons and some not so much has that attitude. Certainly. So it's been nice to get into other spaces and see how other things are done. I think the other thing that I saw that I would say I would apply that I see across a lot of places is um, doing things just because that's how we've always done them. Mm. You know, that made me just cringe a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you I'll, sometimes I'll ask you, okay, well, why are we doing that? And I mean, nine times out of 10, I get an answer. And it's, I'm asking genuinely as an outsider because I don't know. So I'm asking right. you to explain to me, why are we, why does this happen this way? Or why is this the direction? And I mean, 75% of the time, it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, that's just what we've always done. And so I, that's, you know, problematic when it's not research-based, it's not, or, or we're also afraid to evolve with the time. So like, yes, we may have always done that. Got it. But what about now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what about post-pandemic? Or I guess not even post, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Um, pre-post-pandemic, yeah. right? But like, <laughs> you know, like you're, it's just like, there's been so many opportunities to reimagine and rethink what we're doing. And I'm just finding that with a lot of schools, the reason that we do things is just because that's how we've always done it, which isn't yeah. a good enough, good enough reason. Um, so I definitely would have applied more, um, pu- either I would have pushed back more, more sometimes as a, as a school leader to say, to ask just that question, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and been like, and probably these go hand in hand, been a little bit more, um, open to like, let me get out and see what other schools are doing around this area that might have pushed our creativity um, in in certain areas. Yeah. And that is not the norm at all for people to say, hey, principal, go visit this other school and see how they do things. Like that's a, schools are such, they're so weird. (laughs) Schools are so weird because we get so like caught up in, oh, well, we do this and they can do that. Like we we try to be so competitive, uh, but it's not about that. It's about doing what's best for the kids that we have exactly. right now. Exactly. And, and if we can't get a good enough reason for why we're doing it, then we shouldn't be doing it. And, but that's so, it's just such a, that takes a really self-aware leader, self-aware person to say, Hey, 
this might not be the best way. It might be really good. I don't know, but I'm going to go somewhere else and see and just compare just well, to that's see that the it's thing too, possible. though. Right. But that's the thing, right? So here's the problem that that the reason why we don't do that is because it's uncomfortable for adults, right? Mm. So it's easier <laughs> for us to say, oh, I know how to do this this way, right? Mm-hmm. Versus I have to learn how to do this. And, uh, you know, I had someone ask before about, you know, we were talking about school policies and um, and it was this idea of like, am I doing is what is this policy rooted in? Is this policy rooted in control? Or is it rooted in like empowering kids, right? Like what's the reason, right? I, my mm-hmm. uh, One of my clients and, you know, often they had kids who were still walking in lines from class to class in middle school. And when I, every year kind of would come up as conversation, but I said like, well, when I was in middle school, I went to a big old middle school, way bigger than this. And I freely walked from one end mm-hmm. of the building to the other yeah. to the next class. So <laughs> why are we putting kids in line? Mm-hmm. Is that out of my, as an adult, me feeling like I won't have a sense of control over, over children, right? Or mm-hmm. I won't be able to manage that. Like, what is the actual reason that I'm making a seventh grader walk in a line from one class to another, right? Mm-hmm. Is that rooted in control? What is that? And like being able to dig underneath those layers. So yeah. we as adults never really want to feel like oftentimes that we are being pushed or questioned and certainly not by kids. Right. And so, but when you really start to unpeel this, it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I'm choosing to do that. Yeah. I literally just posted, I screenshotted this. I'm, I'm in the principal's desk, Facebook group. It's massive. Oh, me too. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. And there was this, this post about this guy who was talking about the hat policy at a school. And I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. But what he did was really cool. He, they did like this trade in deal. So students could trade in like inappropriate or profane hats for school logo, like hat wear. Um, and I just posted it in my face, little Ed essentials, private Facebook group. And I was like, what do you guys think of this? And they're like, this is great because it's a pop there. They change instead of forcing kids to act like act a certain way or, or gain more control over them through something they're wearing on their head. They turned it into a relationship building opportunity. And that's like, that took a very self-aware administrator to say, Hey, this policy is not going to be something that I'm going to die on, but my teachers obviously care about it. You know, I have a building that cares about it. What can we do to actually create something that's solution oriented? I mean, that type of stuff is, you mm-hmm. don't just, you don't just hear about that all the time. That, no. ta- that takes yeah. a very self-aware leader to, to make those changes. So For sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and then they didn't take the easy route. The easy route would have just yeah. to say no hats. Yeah. Cause that's what they did or that's what they right. know. And that's what they're comfortable with. But they chose yeah. to say, let's collectively, you know, come up with a better solution here than just saying no hats. Yeah. And I think some stuff is being able to like be to predict. Right. So like my school, we have for years had a no cell phone policy for Mm -hmm. years. Right. And so Mm -hmm. now I'm seeing a ton of conversation in groups about cell phones and the problems with cell phones and all the Mm -hmm. things. Right. And so it's just interesting to see how, and this is again, why leaning upon other school leaders it really matters, right? Because as a school who's for over 10 years had a no cell phone policy and has successfully been able to implement it and like, fine, it's interesting, you know, like that's when you should be reaching back to other schools to say, well, what have you been doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to, what was the messaging to parents? How, what was the messaging to kids? How, you know, like those sorts of things. Yeah. And and when you start on, like you said, unpeeling those issues, there's so many different components to it. I have a question. I mean, how do you help teams start to do that where it becomes an automatic process and, and they don't just 
revert to what they know. I'm fascinated by that as a leader. There are so many committee meetings, so many instances <laughs> where it's like, what are we even doing here? We, we don't even agree on what this committee is for. And we're trying to do, what are we talking about right now? I mean, it just seems like we go through the motion so, so often. So how do you as maybe in your role or how, how do you coach people in, in making this problem solving process more automatic and collective? And it's so we don't get caught in what we've done in the past. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is that's not built overnight. Right. Mm. I think that that is um, a ton of relationships. That's a ton of the leader like showing up and walking the walk and talking the talk, like doing all of the things, not just being a mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. um, it is literally that that collaboration has to be like the thread of your school, right? So that means like that the the janitorial team is a part of certain conversations, right? Like the school cafeteria, like the front office lady, like the front office team, like all of the, like it has to be collaborative in nature, like throughout the entire process. Mm. Um, I think that you've got to be really clear as the leader on your vision and what you care about. There are certain things like, like I made a post today about like on Instagram about like, it's not really about like checking the things off your list and like getting your inbox down to zero every day. And like, what do you actually care about? Right. And so understanding that I can't have, I can't passionately care about everything. Like that's just impossible. And then that's how you never get a decision made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's gotta be certain things that you're like, no, like I very much care about reading. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, that means in my building that everyone considers themselves to be a reading teacher. I don't care if you teach math, science, reading, I mean, you know, social studies, everyone here is going to have a literacy background and is going to understand literacy and understand, know how to help kids read, uh, you know, nonfiction texts, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Then that means then that I have successfully backward planned what that looks like this year, what that looks like in five years, what that looks like in 10 years. What does that mean for my teachers? What does that mean for my kids? Right. So now certain top, so like, it's like this idea of what, whatever you give attention to, like you're telling is important. Yeah. Right. Like no matter, like even if you don't say it out of your mouth, like if I go into a classroom and I'm observing and the only feedback I give is around um, the appearance of the classroom, whether or not I say it or not, the teacher now takes up that, like, I could be doing a crap lesson, but if my room looks great. <laughs> I'll be right? fine. <laughs> right. Or, or, vice, or just, or just that you care about that. I'm not saying that's even a bad yeah. thing to care about. Right. But yeah. like whatever you give attention to is what you care about. The problem is as the leader, if reading is all like, is what I really champion because I feel like they can't access anything else until they've got their reading down. I have, that's what I care about. I can't be like given a huge stink about like, um, uniform. That's something I might mm. say to my APs. Hey, Go talk to teachers, see what they care about about uniform. Whatever you guys feel is best is what I'm going to roll with as long as it's, you know, right. in, in alignment and appropriate and all those things. So it's like being able as a leader to say, like, what is the thing that I really like care about the most? And I, and that's not to say you can't care about other things, but it can't be the you can't have right. your hands in everything as the, mm -hmm. as the leader. You just can't. So you've got to, like, pick those one or two priorities. I say all the time, everything can't be a priority. I sit down with teams and I'm like, okay, what's your priorities for next year? And they rattle 10 things. I'm like, that's not, those, those are not, mm -mm, that's, mm. <laughs> too many. that's too many. Yeah. You've got to have like two or three and you can't change them every year. Mm -mm. <laughs> 
right? That's our problem. Yes. Honestly, a lot of times with decision making is we don't give stuff enough time to like grow and work. We give it like 30 days. It doesn't work. We're done. <laughs> huh? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I have a client now who's telling me, oh, we don't do instructional coaching because it doesn't work. And I'm like, let's, 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 that like, I fundamentally agree, disagree with that. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, tell me about it. Like for you to stamp and say that instructional coaching doesn't work is a pretty bold statement. Maybe the way you did it, the route you took, maybe your coaches weren't prepared. Like there's something, maybe your scheduling didn't allow for it to, like there's something there, right? Right. But to say that we don't coach because instructional coaching doesn't work, I'm right. like, right? So sometimes with decisions, we don't give stuff enough time to like grow or we don't do enough of like a dissection of why it didn't work before we say, oh, I'm making a new decision or I'm going somewhere else or I can't make this decision because we don't have, we don't, or we don't have enough data. We just don't give st stuff time. Yeah. I mean, you're making me think of what my grad program talks a lot about. It's PDSA, Plan, Do, Study, Act. And I mean, Plan, Do, Study, Act, you're at minimum gathering data for six weeks, <laughs> six weeks of data and, and doing the same thing, like in not deviating from the strategy that is trying to be implemented. And, and that's even hard to complete, let alone the, the entire cycle of that process. And, and most of the time you're spending the first half of the PDSA cycle, you're spending, uh, or if you look at the circle, like the half of the circle is just planning. Like, what are we going to do? Why are we doing this? How are we going to do it? How are we going to measure? And then <laughs> you track the data. I mean, it's a slow process and we, you know, it's this generation and, and I, I'd argue in a day-to-day -day basis, it can be anybody in the education world where we just want the quick fix. It comes down to like, if even for instance, take a, a behavior student, why do we like having them sent out? Because it's a quick fix. It makes us feel good. Like right then and there, because there's no longer the problem in the classroom, but that's not the real solution, right? It's not actually fixing the problem. And that's a tough thing to really, I like how you said dissect, like we, we don't often get time to really dissect. Why is this data the way it is? Why did this happen a certain way? Was it, did I implement it with fidelity? Was it a me thing? You know, and there's, that's the hard part about education. There's so many variables, but we have to be willing to sit down and, and honestly discuss them. Yeah. And, and, but, and that's where that trust comes in too, yeah. right? Like as a school team and community being able to say, okay, like be, be very critical of mm -hmm. our practices um, and not personalize that. Yeah. How do you help teams do that? That's a hard thing to do. I mean, how do you start to, to build that trust and realize that criticism and being critical of your own practice or of others? Like, how do we get people to be okay with that? Yeah, I think so. Again, it has to be a part of your culture, right? So like if feedback and observation, for example, um, and coaching, like, so like what I tell clients is like it, and as often as leaders, we have to be the like guinea pig. But like when I explain coaching and development to, to folks, I explain it as like every single person in your building should be getting developed and coached, not just the bad teacher, not just the first year teacher, not even just the teachers, right? So like your director of operations should be being coached and developed. Your, you know, um, mm -hmm. your, your, all of your APs, your principals should have a coach, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of those, like, so, so then it becomes not um, foreign for, for, for a teacher to be 
coached or developed and you're building that trust because I know as the teacher, you're coming, giving me feedback, but I know there's somebody giving you feedback too. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that we're all constantly learning, giving feedback. And I think one of the most powerful moves that a, a leader can do is often share what they're working on. So like as an assistant principal, I would tell the people that I coach, like, well, this is what I'm currently working with our principal on for myself. So I would love for you to continue to give me feedback in this area because that's what I'm currently working on. Right. And like being vulnerable in that. Um, and so also too, what happens with that then is then you have teachers who aren't afraid to give feedback to administration, right? Because they know that everyone's constantly giving feedback. And I think the other thing about being a leader, when you think about trust and feedback is that often as a leader, you're going to have to ask that. I remember very vividly one year, we did all these things as a team that we thought were feedback, right? Like, and they were still feedback, but they didn't resonate as feedback. So we mm. would ask for like surveys and certain things. And then we had this like, you know, large, large survey and all the teachers said that we don't welcome their feedback. And we were like, what? How? <laughs> like, we asked this, we asked that. We asked them, do they like this? Do they want it to be purple? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> right? Like, I'm so confused how you don't think that we asked for feedback. Mm. And what we later found out was that we were not using that word. So we were not saying to them in the middle of the hallway when something happened saying, Hey, do you have any feedback for me? We weren't using that word. So yeah. when they went to, right. And so sometimes you've got to literally be that explicit with people and ask yeah. and make it clear that like the feedback is welcomed. That's that reminds me of literally an example that happened this year. Uh, we use uh, the tap rubric. It's uh, mm -hmm. we, we call it cluster essentially uh, like a PLC. Um, but as a mentor teacher, I coach and support for other teachers and collectively our whole group got this feedback of saying, well, you don't talk enough. You don't connect your feedback to the rubric in the areas of reinforcement and refinement. Like we don't talk about strengths and weaknesses, even though we probably talk about it a lot. And then we're like, oh, maybe we just actually need to say the words more often. <laughs> and literally once we started doing that, that next cycle, we got our data back and it just skyrocketed up. Like, yeah, they talk to us about refinement and reinforcement all the time. And it's just, sometimes you do have to be that explicit. You're absolutely right. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I'm really curious, you know, through your time as an ed consultant now, what are some of the biggest breakthroughs that you've had you know, with some of the clients and educators that you've served? I mean, whether it's personal, whether it's as a team, they were able to move from here to here. What have been some of those awesome breakthroughs? Yeah, so I think um, in general, my 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 push for all leaders. So I, I tell people all the time, like leadership is, I think, especially in schools, it's different because one day you're like part of the gang and then the next <laughs> you're like kicked out all your teacher friends don't talk to you anymore. You know, you're, you know, like you're the enemy, yep. like, you know? And so every single leader that I know who goes through that transition just is like, really has a hard time sometimes those first couple of years because mm -hmm. they thought they knew what school leadership looked like before they got into it. Cause we always think we know like, well, they should just do this. They should, I'm like, you guys have no idea, you know, like all of the different competing um priorities that are happening when you're in the school leadership or just the things that i remember as a leader once i got into see really being like oh my god you guys don't do your job like i remember being like was i the only person doing like just the pure like the management piece of adults is like <laughs> mind-boggling at mm -hmm. times you're, you're just like ah okay so you're learning how to manage people and then you're trying to figure out how to be a leader right and so my approach with leaders is always this idea of like, 
you have so much control over who, what people say about you as a leader. Leadership doesn't like happen to you. And I think sometimes we as leaders are always picked because we can do the skills, right? Where I say, this is like the technical skill part. We're good. We're, we're, we're organized. We can do, you know, we can coach, we can teach, we can, we can do all the things, right? And so we get hired in that role because we can do those things. But often where leaders have a problem is the managerial and the relationship side of things. And that's because we have not spent enough attention and time on our adaptive skills, which is like our people skills. And so I say all the time, that's the people part of your job that people can't see. Mm-hmm. It's the part, it's like, it's uh, how you do your job, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes you a leader. Everything else on the technical side is like manager stuff, right? That's what makes you like the boss. But the leadership piece is the adaptive. And so the breakthroughs that I'm getting with clients is them feeling like I'm not changing anything about like what I'm technically doing. It's my approach that's different, that's hitting people differently, that's being received differently, um, which is in turn making my my experience as a leader uh, more enjoyable. Like you can enjoy being a leader. Yes, I feel like leaders, you know, we work super hard and it's definitely like a toss up every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But when you have actually sat and thought about, okay, before I have this conversation, I'm not just going to say, figure out what I'm going to say, but like, how do I want to say it? I'm going to practice the conversation. What is my body language going to say? What questions do I want to ask? How do I want to react? What can I anticipate that they might say that I can, like that level of thinking that you would still do in a classroom or observing needs to happen in like how you approach your leadership. A prime example, small move. I had a client who every day, so she had gotten the feedback essentially that she was like never visible. Mm. Okay. And sometimes there's times where you just can't be right. But I said to her, um, easy move. When you get in the morning, block off 30 minutes in your calendar, drop your stuff at your desk. And the first 30 minutes, walk that building, go say hi to good morning to every single teacher. Mm -hmm. Ask them how they are. Can you help with anything? Do they need anything? 30 minutes just making your rounds in the morning makes such a small difference because even as the day gets going, nobody in that building can say that they didn't have an eye touch point with you that day, right? Those are small moves that are, that's an adaptive skill. That's not Mm -hmm. like a technical thing of your job, right? But it's a small thing that makes, and and then if you're smart and you know your teachers, you can look at a teacher and go, "Mm, something's off. Hey, do you need to go take a second? Do you need me to go run a copy? Do you, right? Like people first mentality. And everything else will fall into place. But those are like the small moves that like our adaptive skills that people, I think as leaders, we don't, we don't get hired for our adaptive skills. Normally. Yeah. 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 And that kind of connects to what we were talking about earlier, just making that small change and <laughs> that it's a priority. Like for that leader, it was a priority to be visible. She, she trusted the feedback from her staff. Even if, you know, sometimes we have a hard time taking feedback, like, man, my staff really said this, I'm doing all this stuff all the time. I'm out and you know covering classes maybe she was doing all the right things but all it took is that little change of hey i'm just going to shift this i'm making this a priority by blocking off this 30 minutes to be visible i think that is such and you say small move i think that's a huge move because there are a lot of leaders out there that are are very self-aware that will say yep this is my strength this is my weakness Okay, but what are you doing about that? Right, right. <laughs> are you is, taking right. That- it's not enough. It's not enough to just know, oh, this isn't my my best piece, right? But yeah. that's also as a leader surrounding yourself with the right people too. So Definitely. like my last school leader is like, I would say 
if someone described him, they'd say, oh, he's like kind of got like this, he's kind of intimidating and he's got this kind of like very serious face and he's not serious at all. But like, that was kind <laughs> of how people came across, right? Mm. But he knew to put me, cause I'm the more jovial AP. And then we had the, like, you know, like it was like, so everyone in the building could find someone that was like, fit their leadership stuff, right? Like, it yeah. was like okay, I, Aaron's going to be the, the, the voice and she's going to plan all the fun stuff and the outings and the jokes and the, you know, she's going to deliver it and make it interactive and fun. You know, this leader is going to be the one who's going to give you all the data and the numbers and the this, right? Like, so it's also as a leader being aware of like, I don't necessarily have to change myself all the time, but I need to make sure I surround myself with people who are going to be able to like balance out my leadership mm. style so that everyone has someone they can relate to. Yeah. Being really intentional with that. That's super important. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of a question now. I mean, if those adaptive skills that you're talking about, you know, if you're a, a potential assistant principal or a potential principal and you're, you're going through the interview process and you're trying to show that you have those abilities, like what would you recommend to someone that's interviewing to, to show those adaptive skills? Cause you, I mean, obviously you can connect with people at the table, but on the job adaptive skills, I'm sure is very different than just sitting across the table interviewing. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think for all interviews, the biggest thing is being able to have um, concrete examples of how you've used those skills and what the impact was. Mm. So even if you are not asked a question related to um, like, you're going to get asked like your leadership style. Like I would say explicitly like, Hey, I know that I can do this, 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 and this, the requirements of the job. What I pride myself is, is how I do that, right? And like being able to give very good examples of like, uh, maybe it was an interaction you had with someone. Uh, maybe it was a certain way that you stepped up for some, you know, like, or even like opening like the kind of like your brain up and explaining like how you process a problem or mm. like what you consider. Um, but those are like really good ways to showcase like this is how I think and process or approach a problem or a difficulty. I don't just approach it from like, this is what needs to be done, like from a bulleted list. I approach it and I think about, you know, the student impact, the parent impact that like I think about, you know, how the teacher may feel like being able to really explain your process. Um, I think it's always really powerful, powerful for interviewers. I mean, at the end of the day, as an interview panel, we know kind of like what people are going to say, like, no, you know, like rarely does someone come in there and say something that we're like, what, you know, like right. nine times out of 10, we know what you're going to say. We're looking for really good examples and evidence mm. to, to back up what you say, you know how to do. Yeah. And the more that they can, even if, cause I'm thinking of like, say I was, you know, I'm a teacher. I may not have school data. I may not have like, I'm a science teacher. I don't have map scores to bank off. Like we don't test that. But if I can let people in on examples, uh, you know, concrete examples from my own classroom, you know, individual assessments that I've given, or even I really love what you said there with the thought process. People want to know how you're going to perform on the job and just giving a checkbox answer doesn't always like help push you forward. doesn't make you different from anyone else. So I really like what you said there, just getting them to know what your thought process is like. That, that creates that stronger human connection too. Of, I know how they're going to think. This helps me really understand my role in that process too, because I might be working alongside this person. And if I know how they think, then I know how to respond. I can build trust between that. Like that just gives you a, a deeper human connection than just someone that's giving you all the right answers, but exactly. you're just missing that something. That's yep. really cool. Aaron, how can people connect with you and support you? Yeah. So, um, I am on Instagram. I post pretty regularly and that is, um, my handle is just Aaron Cotman with two N's. 
um, on Aaron. Um, my website is AaronCotman.com. <laughs> uh, my YouTube, if you search Aaron Cotman, you'll get it there. Okay, it's pretty simple. Um, but I have a YouTube, a weekly newsletter, um, my website, Instagram. So lots of different ways um, to connect with me, uh, for sure. I'll be sure to link uh, your social media, your website, all that stuff in the show notes. So if you're listening, connect with her there. I love all the posts you do on Instagram. That's how I found about you essentially it was just seeing all your leadership posts and i'm like this person's awesome i need to talk with her so, <laughs> well, thank uh, you give her a follow connect with her um okay so say there is a complete revision of schools across the world and we decide to build a brand new education system from scratch and as we interview educators from across the world to shape this new school system they uh they choose you aaron cotman to give some feedback and there's only one rule they only limit you to three statements of feedback that you could give this panel. So what would those three statements be? Okay. Let me make sure I understand this. Uh-huh. They, they, I am giving a, I am critiquing the current state of education or I'm reimagining education. You are reimagining. So this, this panel is deciding, Hey, what do we want a new school system okay. to look like? What are these three guiding statements that Aaron can provide? Uh, experiential learning, right? We've got to get kids in the experience. Um, literacy, literacy, reading, writing, communication, and um, mm, I feel like I'm breaking all the rules. I'm not following any of the directions you gave me. Look at me. But <laughs> I was. But my last one would be. Um, How do I say this? Um, take the pressure off. Take the pressure off of kids. Take the pressure off of teachers. Take the pressure off of leaders. Like make learning fun again. Just do it, guys. Make it fun. We can do this. Like school can be fun. Learning is fun. Like mm -hmm. think about little kids when they're first. My son's in first grade. No, that's a lie. He's in second grade now. Um, he just loves school. I, his teachers are like, oh, we do experiments every day. Like, thank you. Thank you for doing a science experiment with my child every day because some kids sit at a desk all day, every day. And then you wonder why they don't want to learn. It's not mm -hmm. fun. I love it. Take the pressure off of kids, people. Let's do it. Aaron <laughs> Kotman, it's been a pleasure. Truly wonderful, wonderful to have you. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Ed Essentials Podcast. Original music by Patrick Cunningham. Links to connect with us are in the show notes. Connect with me on social media by following at Ed Essentials. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Ed Essentials Podcast. member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.